You're listening to The Logbook, a production of the QAnon Logbook publication. A podcast that shares the stories of the people in the QAnon, encouraging us all to embrace the outdoors in work and in play. Kate's out taking some pictures and just chatting with uh, Keith and Julie, and we're about to go on a ski. It's like seven degrees outside, um, so we'll see how that goes. The wind chill's pretty low, but it's the Q&A, and it's a common day. So here we go. So welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. This is the Q&A logbook. And my name is Haley. And I'm Kate. And we're so pumped to have you. Um, We kind of want to do a little activity again like we did on our last podcast. And we want to use one word to describe our interview with Keith and Julie Myers. Okay. All right, are we going to count down? Okay. Yeah. Ready? Three, two, Two, one, one. go. Dog vest. Space eater. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, why did you say space eater? It was a very, it was set the scene. Set the it scene. was a very cold, cold winter afternoon. <laughs> very cold. Emphasis on the cold. <laughs> um, no, it was a very, very beautiful day, but it was one of those days that's, it's so beautiful because it's so cold. And the interview was awesome. We had a good time talking with them. We had a really good ski, but I right. do think that <laughs> one of the things that stood out to me in this interview was definitely that it was very cold and I remember just talking and kind of right getting getting comfy with that space heater I remember when we were out on the ski and we were both like we would not be out here right now because it is so cold and we were out here because we wanted to meet Keith and Julie and like while we were skiing we kept saying over and over why we were so happy that we actually ended up going out because it was really beautiful and the snow was like pristine yeah Julie was like if Keith hadn't dragged me out here, I'd be at home watching Bridgerton on the couch. And I just think that's so funny because it was very relatable. <laughs> I had some regrets. I was like, you know, maybe that's what I should have done this morning too instead of come out. But it was good. I'm glad. Okay, what did you say? Dog, yeah, dog I, fest? I said dog vest. Oh, dog vest. Yes. I thought you said dog fest. Like oh, a festival. It's a festival of dogs. Oh. Um, no, I said dog vest because they have, are they Pomeranians? Shih Tzus. Shih Tzus. Red and blue. They have two dogs. Not that they are red and blue. Their names are red and blue. They're not just just painted blue (laughs) Shih Tzus. No. They were in their tiny little vests and they were sitting on Julie's lap during her interview or during the interview. So I thought of dog vests because that's what I picture. I don't know. Space. So now that everyone listening can set the scene, we're around this tiny table, there's a space heater, there's dogs wearing vests, <laughs> everyone is talking and their breath is showing. Yep. We're actually in a pretty cute little cabin. Right Super on, cute. Near Portage Lake in Chassel. So yeah. we won't add anything else, but we hope you enjoy the interview with Keith and Julie. Yeah. Make yourself comfy. Get some snacks. Get a little snackies. Snacks. All right. Here we go. So we're sitting in the Airbnb that Keith and Julie have that used to be the original house? Yeah, so this is uh, my grandmother's place uh, here in Chassel for many years. And it was the only uh, house on the property for many years until my folks retired uh, 
back in the 08, uh, would have been probably about 88, and then they built uh, the other house here that we have on the property where we live. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. We kind of inherited and passed down. Yeah, so yeah, it's something that my dad uh, is still alive, uh, but you know, he was in a situation after my mom passed on, uh, you know, he, he, you know, was at the point where, you know, he, basically he's, he's 90, he'll be 95 this year. And, and so, you know, most of his friends are gone, you know, and so it's, you know, he's got more friends down in Florida these days. And so, it, you know, it kind of worked out well, uh, you know, just, you know, just kind of go from there. And, uh, and it's nice because it allows us to maintain some continuity with the family uh, being here in the area. Right, right. So it looks like you had the original house and then there was the house that was built and then was the sauna a new thing? Or right. Yeah. That... It's kind of, sauna is kind of an interesting story. Uh, we, uh, when, before I retired, uh, uh, Julie and I had uh, been up here, uh, and uh, it, it was in really rough shape because the old structure was basically rotting out from underneath. And uh, and it's a really long story, but I'll just cut to the chase. But we we met this uh, young contractor uh, by the name of Phil Sladek, who uh, lives here in the area, and. Uh, and we worked out an arrangement, and Phil basically rebuilt it from the inside out for us, and nice. uh, and so it's really worked out well. Yeah. Oh man. There's and nothing like a good sauna. <laughs> yeah. I remember you guys saying, I don't know if this is still true, but you can't build saunas this close to the water anymore, can you? Right. That's right. So it was, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we had to kind of, you know, because you, the, I mean, there are some very specific setback rules off. on it in terms of setback, and so as long as you know, we kept, you know, I think the, the rule is you got to keep three, at least one wall standing or something like that. But we may, instead of doing even that, we had Phil rebuild it from the inside out. So. so for the people listening, their sauna is probably three or four feet from the water, would you yeah, say? Yeah, it's probably about, yeah, maybe about five feet in total. Yeah, yeah. So I've never... Just a, it's all you've got is the deck between it and the water. One. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys follow that finished tradition of jumping in the water and then I going? I love it, man. It's, it's just <laughs> awesome. There's nothing better than to go directly from a hot sauna into the lake i mean it's uh, it, i mean man the pour is just you know because you're you're wide open when you're in the sauna and the man you hit that water and it's like whoop, just like that and, oh my it, gosh. and you hold the heat in you know it's really kind of cool because you can be in that cold and cooler water and, and just feel totally comfortable it's really yeah amazing. i don't think i've ever done that I've like rolled in snow after a hot tub, but I've never. But you know that's colder in. because that snow is it's frozen, you know, as yeah. opposed to the water. Once you're in the water, it's right. above thirty-two, you know. So, right, yeah. that's true. I'll have to try that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. So, you came here growing up, then. Right. So, so yeah. So my yeah. So my dad's originally from Chassel, and okay. he graduated from Chassel High in '44, and. Uh, uh, and so, uh, so he had, you know, that close uh, tie to the area, but my mom's, uh, family was the one that, uh, you know, started the presence here in the, uh, with the cabin. And, and, uh, so my, as I was growing up, my, my grandfather had passed on long ago and, uh, and then, uh, I'd come up here and she had a, her second husband, uh, who she lived with here, uh, and they operated the the range variety store up in South Range at that point. And, okay. Uh, but uh, we come up here, and uh, my my folks, because at the time I was living in Chicago growing up, but mm -hmm. uh, but my folks would come up uh, generally early part of the summer, and then 
one of my sisters and I would uh, stay here with my grandmother pretty mm -hmm. much the well, really up until uh, Labor Day weekend yeah. and frequently involved being put on the bus back to Chicago Labor yeah. Day weekend. Yeah. You know, so. so what a comparison, like growing up in the city and then coming here, was it something that you looked forward to as a kid? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I think the one thing that's really amazing, I mean, you really don't appreciate you know how significant you know mm -hmm. that kind of experience is I think until you get older because I, I look back at it and I really see it as what kind of made me the person that I am because it, it was something that just became ingrained in, in the fabric of my, my right. persona I mean everything from because my, my grandmother was you know the daughter of Finnish immigrants and you know having the culture you know passed on as mm -hmm. it was and and she was a, a woman way ahead of her time, uh, somebody who, uh, you know, I mean, she worked in the co-ops for many years and then, mm -hmm. you know, obviously as an entrepreneur, you know, working, you know, at the Range Variety Store. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the thing about her, she, she did a lot of writing for publications, uh, especially Finnish language publications because oh, cool. she spoke Finnish. And, uh, and so it was, it, you know, so she was a very... I mean, best way to describe her is someone who is very egalitarian in her perspective. Vocabulary with Kate and Haley. Hey, Siri, what does egalitarian mean? As an adjective, it means relating to or believing in the principle that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. Nice. And she was someone who is really, I mean, in addition to, to you know, being focused on equality and all that, mm -hmm. uh, she, I mean, she was a very adventurous person. I mean, she'd been a tomboy as a, as mm -hmm. a girl. And, and, you know, I mean, she did crazy stuff like ski jumping and, and things like that. I mean, now she we just was. call that being a girl. Right, right <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. But in the day. But I mean, back that, in the day, in the that day. was being a yeah, tomboy. She, was, she would be more of an outlier, right? You know, so it's like, but, uh, but you know, that I think, you know, having been around something like that, I mean, when, when I'd spent, because we'd spend time between here and, mm -hmm. and the homestead down in the Painesville area. And, okay. You know, you know, the thing was, you know, you could go out off exploring during the day and, right. you know, it's just, she, you know, just, you know, you just, you learned a lot about yourself and your ability right. to deal with your, your environment mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's just, you, you had to figure things out on your own, right. you know, and, and a lot longer of a leash. <laughs> right, exactly. And to be kid. able to go out in the woods and, right. and, and, you know, like here spending time on the lake or doing whatever, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. you, you just, I, I think oftentimes you lose sight of how valuable growing up in this kind of an environment can be. And I think that's a, a tremendous advantage for, for people who grow right. up in this area. Right. So Julie's sitting here with us too. What was the conversation like when you're like, okay, we're going to move. Like, what did that look like? You've been up here for six, eight, six to eight years. How long has it been? Yeah. So we retired up here in, uh, it would have been summer of 2015. Okay. Yeah. What was that like for you, Julie? We were just coming for the summer, but we were a block from home, and I just I said I think we should just move there permanently, and you said okay. <laughs> Pretty easy. You and that was it. So you were introduced to all of this Finnish heritage. Yes. This is like a this was a newer thing for yes. you. Yes. What has that been like stepping in as someone who has no roots? Do you have any roots to Finnish heritage? No, I said I'm from Can I'm Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Well, it's different. It, it was really different because we don't talk about Finnish things in Kansas. We don't talk about the UP. But no, I love it. I love the whole area. I love mm -hmm. all, every, all our friends because up here we have a skiing group, a running group, 
Do we have hiking group? Big part of it for us, you know, as you've already highlighted, I mean, we, and as Julie's mentioned, I mean, we've got a hiking group that we're involved with that hikes during the summer and we ski during the winter. And, nice. and so that's been a great way to get in with one group, but then we're also part of the Keweenaw running group. Okay. And so we run with them uh, during the week. And, and so, you know, so that's been a really cool thing. All right, buckle up. Keith and Julie are involved in so many community organizations, so get ready. Then, you know, it's like I'm also, you know, president of the local historical organization here in Chassel, mm-hmm. and, and then I'm vice chair of the planning commission locally, and, and then I'm a uh, volunteer sawyer on the North Country Trail. And, oh, cool. And then I'm on the uh, board of directors for Dial Help, and then I'm on the board of directors <laughs> for the uh, Keweenaw Nordic Ski Club. Holy cow. And then I'm on the fi- Finnish Council of America Dang. in Finlandia. Man, so you guys are really involved. Are you on any boards? Oh, Yes. <laughs> I'm in the heritage. I'm involved in everything. I mean, I help clean the trails, and I help at Mastahito, and I help. Uh, and I, I, I'm a For those of you who didn't keep track at home, that's nine community organizations. That means one for every day of the week, and then some. But what's been, but what's really been cool about it? I mean, it's been really kind of an outstanding way to give back. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, that's been kind of the personal piece of it, you know, because it's just. You know, because I look at this area, I mean, it, it's so much is what made me the person I am. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so getting involved in doing things that are making a difference mm-hmm. uh, locally, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it feels really good to give back mm-hmm. in that regard. As you saw when we were out on the uh, cross-country ski trail today, I mean, getting the town station fitness trail out there uh, and working with the Portage Health Foundation to mm-hmm. uh, secure funding for that project. Yeah. And, and we've got another project we're you know working on developing the river trail on the Sturgeon River and we've uh, again that's a Portage Health Foundation supported mm-hmm. project but we're going to have a canoe and kayak launch down oh, on the northwest sweet. side of the Sturgeon River Bridge. Okay. Uh, hey Kate, how's it going? It's pretty good. How about you? Oh, uh, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, have you heard of the Portage Health Foundation? Isn't that the organization that promotes community health and gives scholarships to students? Yeah, it is. They actually have over 40 scholarships that you can apply for, even if you're a non-traditional student. Wow, okay. Yeah, now that you mention it, I have seen their logo pop up throughout the community. I saw their logo at um, Trails Fest at the tent they had set up. I love that for them. Yeah, they also have a podcast. Oh. Yeah, uh, they interview people like Leah Polzine, who's the executive director at the Calumet Farmer's Market. Oh, I love that farmer's market. Yeah, me too. Um, how it's pretty sweet. How do I learn more? I, I need to know more. Yeah, well, lucky for us, on their website, you can sign up for a monthly newsletter. And to do that, you go to phfgive.org backslash newsletter, or you can visit their scholarships page for more information about application dates. Chances are, if there's something cool going on in the Copper Country that's an event that you like, Portage Health Foundation's probably involved or they've donated to one of the organizations that's putting the event on. So check out their podcast, subscribe to their newsletter, and visit their website at phfgive.org. So do you have any uh, memories that stick out to you about your grandmother coming here during the summers? Well, yeah, so one of the things that's really kind of funny, you know, it's just... uh, so like on the weekends uh when we'd be up here 
so Carl Palampat, who used to have Somikutsu and uh, TV6 and Sundays. Long time ago. This is you guys are so young. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, but he had he had the hour long program on Sunday What's mornings. Somikutsu. Is that like Finnish? Finland calling. Yeah, Finland calling. Yeah. And so yeah, so it was every so it was like every Sunday and but. But back in the day, uh, especially during the summers, they would have these dances that were all around the UP. And, uh, and so uh, my grandmother oh. would, uh, you know, wherever those dances would be, we would drive typically to where those <laughs> really? dances. Oh, yeah. And we, you know, especially if they were anywhere, you know, kind of Western UP, you know. And, but, you know, I, I remember the first time uh, that, she, that she did this, uh, but my, my sister, who's closest to my age, and, and I... Uh, I mean, we'd sing Finnish folk songs at uh, when uh, when bands would be on break, mm -hmm. and so that was that was always kind of a cool thing to do. That I mean, uh, you know, uh, but uh, they were like at a dance hall. Kind well, of it's like in that case, music. it would be like at the Armory at Ishpeming, for okay. example. You know, <laughs> if you give you an example, the but they would be in all kinds of different places uh -huh. uh, around the UP. But uh, but uh, yeah, that one really sticks out in my mind. You know, uh, as a memory that was pretty cool. Yeah. Did you guys ever make like panakaku? Oh yeah, panakaku was always oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and you know and then certainly nisu and all that. I mean it's just you know right. it, was a, it was a staple of growing up uh, right. in a family with Finnish heritage. Right. So. That was a new. That's been a a newer introduction to me the past few years. Cody, my fiance's mom makes makes it because they're really Finnish too, and it is so good. Mm. Have you ever had it? No. It's like. Either basically french toast but like pancakes <laughs> it's and you put it in the oven it's and so it good. rises and you can add cinnamon to it and you kind of eat it like french toast a little bit but it's it eggs. is yeah it's, it's, it's yeah it, on one level it's almost like custard i mean it's it's, it's kind of a hybrid yeah. kind of thing they yeah. serve it at the, the you can get it at sony yeah. cafe yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. only on the weekends so. <laughs> oh okay good to know do you still make it is this are these still I, recipes I that you it. ever I, I make it sometimes. sometimes. Your grandmother's recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have? Do you I have still those? have a recipe around, so yeah. Oh so, man, yeah. we should try it out sometime. Yeah, try to make it again. Yeah, that's. I love those traditional things that are passed down. I don't. That's something that I've missed in my family with like heritage dishes. Right. So I mean, there is like the casseroles and those kinds of things, but like the fact that it's rooted in this is a finished dish and passed on. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Man. Yeah, and then, you know, just other things, you know, it's just the history. I mean, you learn so much, you know, from your elders. I mean, I, and that's something I'd encourage, you know, kids today, you know, if they've got the opportunity, it's really spend the time to, to really understand, you know, your older adults, you know, uh, in your family and, and where they were coming from, what their experiences were as well, well mm -hmm. because you learn so much about that history. And, I mean, that's where I feel very fortunate because, I had, you know, the opportunity growing up to be around uh, individuals who either were immigrants or, you know, immediately the children of immigrants, mm -hmm. and uh, and you know those those cultural roots were so strong, you know, yeah. in those in generations that were first immediately over in this country. Yeah. And, Did yeah. you? think that you were ever going to end up here like um when you were i think in the back of my mind it was kind of the place where i would have man it, it was you know clearly you know i, I mean I, I i really enjoyed living in kansas while i was there but man nothing nothing matches the UP. Yeah. i mean it's just you know and you know i joke about this all the time but you know uh, when i was involved with uh, economic workforce development in the state of kansas 
you know, our number one tourist destination in Kansas was the Cabela's at the Kansas Raceway in KCK, okay? <laughs> so you could take any one of, I could, I could name two dozen places, like, in the next probably a couple minutes here, just within, you know, a, a stone's throw of where we're at right now. And if you dropped any one of those places in Kansas, it would be the number one tourist <laughs> destination. That's no joke. Wow. And, and I think we lose sight of just how just absolutely amazing this place is. And the thing is, people just don't know it exists. I mean, people downstate don't even oh, know yeah, it's here. Sure. I mean, because, you know, we get a lot of people coming through here. I mean, we've We've hosted, you know, well over 500 people uh, here in our Airbnb property, and and it's just the number of them who We're just had every day. Uh, but the one, but people just have absolutely no idea. I mean, even people who are traveling here, I mean, they know a few of the things on the top of the list that may have drawn them here initially, but they have no sense for the depth. The rest, you know, beyond the rest that. of it, there's so yeah. much. There is. It's, it's Everybody amazing. Everybody says we have to come back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't see everything. We go someplace every day, you know. Yeah. I mean, it truly is ubiquitous natural beauty here. So you feel like closer to your family, sort of, in a way, moving up here? Yeah, you know, it's that's a great way to describe it. I mean, you know, the one thing that's been kind of cool is I've, I've really become not only closer to my, my Finnish roots, but, uh, but even to my non-Finnish roots on my dad's side because I've learned so much more about my, my father's family that settled here. I mean, they... They were drawn here by the Cloverland uh, uh, land uh, kind of push that went on after the timber was cut over here in Chassel back in the early, I mean, just past the turn of the 20th century. Could you explain for people listening what the Cloverland was? Yeah, so there was a, yeah, so so after the the lumber company, so so one thing about Chassel, uh, you know, again, we had a huge mill that operated in Chassel from, it started off as a Sturgeon River Lumber Company in 1888 and then it was subsequently succeeded by the Worcester Lumber Company that operated from about I think it was like 1902 to 1929 and uh, and basically you had with the with the Sturgeon River Lumber Company that's when they cut all the virgin white pine timber up in the Sturgeon River Valley and mm-hmm. floated it down to Chassel and then processed it out but then subsequently once Worcester was uh, taken over the company they built a narrow gauge railroad out to the southwest toward Tapiola and, and such, and and they started uh, harvesting the hardwoods out that way. And um, and so anyway, it's uh, and where was I going? Cloverland. Oh, Cloverland. <laughs> yeah. So so once that timber was gone, especially the early timber, you know, once that was gone, then you know they had all this cut over timberland, and so what are you going to do with it? So they they started marketing it as this incredibly fertile uh, land. Well. Well, and so it drew people like my great grandfather Meyer up here, uh, and and but they came to this basically stump-ridden land that they had to blow all these uh, huge stumps out of in order to start doing things, and or yeah, and then and then drag them out from there. But uh, but in his case, uh, you know, he was you know. you know, he was starting a dairy farm up here, and that's that's what he did. And it was a rough place to operate a dairy farm. And uh, but they were out southwest of Chassel, and and then then my Beringer ancestors came here uh, largely to uh, work in the mill. I mean, they'd been in the mills downstate, uh, uh, in the Muskegon area, and in, in the 1880s, and then came by way of Marinette then to Chassel. So. Well, do you have any? Uh, stories that you remember hearing of what the immigration looked like when they came over from Finland, the traveling and what that 
what that actually was like as an immigrant? Yeah, so it was kind of, uh, I think, you know, kind of a two-stop uh, kind of thing, because they, they, I know, like, my great-grandfather went initially, I think he went, I'm trying to remember if it was Liverpool, but he went, he ended up, he went to England first, and then from England across them. Uh, okay, right, wow. That's crazy. I think about, sometimes, not often, but sometimes I think about ancestry and our, like, my ancestors moving over here and I think about like hardships that we face <laughs> and then I think about what they had to go through to get here and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> it's okay it's gonna be all right I think right. I can do this <laughs> oh for sure and you know and that's one thing that's interesting even as, you, as you look cabin. You know, but even but even as you look back at, at what it meant to operate on farms up here I mean my dad uh, I mean he's he's gonna be 95 this year and it's just it's interesting to just talk with him, and he's he's written a really nice memoir uh, as well, but about growing up here in this region during the depression, and uh, and it's just like what's so amazing is you know so many people really I mean they I don't you know poor is probably the best way to describe what you know the circumstances that people were in economically, but but I don't know that they necessarily mm-hmm. perceived it as such, you know, right. because of the way, They're you know, people work together, you know, even when you start looking at, you know, how they shared resources to harvest and, and so forth. I mean, there's, there's some really interesting concepts that, uh, you know, were in place that, you know, people got by, you know, and, and again, culture was a big part of that too. And, right. and so, um, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And do you feel like, um, it's you're kind of in having the Airbnb and being a part of all these groups and doing the Q and all workforce, remote workforce, that it's almost like your mission to share your heritage almost a little bit. Right. Well, you know, that's, that's been kind of a fun part of it, you know, especially with Airbnb guests. I mean, and to, to, you know, cause it, I think it gives us the opportunity to maybe provide people a much more rich experience when they come, right. you know, you're not going to, I mean, I, th- I think we've got some wonderful hotels in the area that are great places to stay. But if, you know, people want to really get a, a, a really down-in-the-weeds kind of the experience. This man doesn't. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, this right. Is right. Like all the places to go. And right, because that's just it. Because, I mean, we're, we're kind of like the insider's guide. Yeah, this is not to... TripAdvisor's top ten. This right. is like Keith and Julie are taking you on a hike, and you don't know where you're going to go. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and I think that's been something that people have really appreciated about staying with us because, you know, we've, we've got oh, a lot right. of hidden, you know, kind of gems up here that, that I, I would – say that maybe even most of the locals don't even know about right. I mean we just spend an inordinate amount of time out in the back country uh, during the course of the summer and really even during the winter sometimes and it's like uh, so we've really learned about some amazing places up here and it's and it is kind of fun to share that experience with somebody and and to to really give them a once in a lifetime kind of experience uh, and and you know if you if you look in our yeah. our guide here or our, our book or whatever oh, we got yeah, in here. I saw it. yeah so it's you know page after page, page after, it's, saying this kind of thing. yeah so whether it's the the place we told them to go or the sauna that they took while they were here or whatever i mean because people he builds I mean, them a sauna yeah you know because <laughs> the, the sauna experience is really a huge part of you know when you stay here it's just uh, you know because we because we want people to have a special experience when they're staying with us and, right. and that's something that you know i mean it definitely shows up in the in the reviews that we get and in the notes that people leave in our book 
Have you noticed, what's, what are the craziest differences you've noticed since, like, being a child living here, and then now when you go downtown, or when you... Yeah, so it's it's been kind of interesting, you know, and again, this is the kind of thing that I, I'm really working toward, you know, with Chassel, I think, in, in terms of, you know, trying to do things from an economic development standpoint here. I mean, there was a time, you know, there were, I, I remember, like, three restaurants, you know, uh, you know even when I was a kid, you know, I mean, because, you know, I remember, you know, like when we used to have Urbass here, the Buckeye, you know, Chippewa, I mean, it's just, you know, you had, you know, you had, and so I guess that's the kind of thing that, you know, I'm hoping that we can, and, and it's been so exciting to see Lacey's curbside, uh, you know, get started here in Chassel and, and, you know, because I think we're on a pathway. Uh, we've got some, you know, uh, you know, the, we've got the project that Mark Kosky's working on, uh, you know, to, you know, turn the uh, community building into housing uh, in downtown Chassel. And, you know, when you start developing a little, a little bit more density uh, like that, you know, you create opportunities for folks to, to consider starting a, a business like that. And, and those are the kinds of things, and especially as we've created more of a place uh, you know, with some of these amenities that have gone into place just in the last couple of years, you know, I think I think we really do have the kinds of things that will, you know, maybe help us get back to some of those things that were big, you know, uh, even you know going back to like the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies. So when you talk about developing it, I guess from my perspective, when you were first talking about it, I thought you were trying to build it up to be something bigger and better than you'd seen before, but hearing you talk about it now, it sounds like you're almost just trying to get it back to the point that you remember it, like as being a child. Right, and, and but I think, that, but the one thing that I think is unique about the Economic Development Initiative Remote Workforce Keweenaw is it's the power of the types of jobs that are doing remote work. You know, the, the size and salaries that go along with a lot of those jobs have the power to, to I think, create uh, you know, a much more robust economy. And so I think in that regard, we, we do make it much better for, for those that are here. So. Do you ever worry that it's going to, like, squeeze out um, the locals, kind of, who maybe can afford, you know, the Houghton salaries can buy a Houghton house, but if the housing market boosts up for people yeah. from Chicago working remotely here and Houghton people with Houghton jobs can no longer afford those houses, what do you Right. You know, gentrification is always a concern, I think, in any kind of economic development strategy. But I, again, I think with that self-regulating piece being winter, I think we avoid the risk of what's happened in so many other communities where gentrification has occurred. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't see it happening here. Right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. I feel like we got a lot of really good stuff today. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to add? Well, you know, I guess, you know, one of the things that I guess I, I, I certainly, uh, you know, just talking about my grandmother and mm -hmm. all that, you know, I guess, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I do want to at least talk about, you know, what, you know, in terms of the thought about egalitarianism and, and equality is just a general concept. and in terms of, you know, just how significant that was for me in terms of learning that and then being able to translate that as a father uh, to my daughters. And, 
you know, because I've been, I've been very fortunate, you know, to, to, to get them all on really good pathways in their lives and, and to teach them to be strong women. And, you know, I think it's so important to have good examples. And I think, you know, that's been the really cool thing about having, you know, you know, been so close with somebody who was a strong woman like that and, you know, could pass that kind of thinking on to a young man and, uh, having been in an environment where I learned from somebody who, you know, was a, a very strong woman and, and could, you know, at least give me the kind of, you know, perspective that would be not only helpful in my own career and, and, and have the value to work with others and uh, especially of, of, of others with diverse backgrounds and, and to help mentor them and help them be successful. But, but even in my own personal life to be able to, you know, help my own daughters uh, be as successful as they could possibly be with their lives. And uh, so it's just something that I think, you know, again, I I look back at it and again, I I guess I would kind of credit that to that Mm -hmm. Finnish immigrant, uh, you know, kind of roll up the sleeves and, you know, be tough and, you know, get it done kind of attitude. And I think, you know, it was, that was a tremendous value to me uh, growing up in, in this environment. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your thank story you. with us. Yeah. And it's been really good chatting with you guys. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for listening to The Logbook. Special thanks to Keith and Julie Myers, their dogs, Red and Blue, for showing us around the Airbnb, taking us on a ski, and for giving us some of their time to talk with us. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast and the q and Logbook publication, consider donating on our website or visit our Instagram and Facebook pages. We like to post cool photos sometimes, so check it out. Proceeds go towards sharing the stories of the Keweenaw that would otherwise go unheard and unwritten. Another way to support us would be to hit that subscribe button to keep up with our episodes, or if you like what you hear, share with a friend. But until next time, we'll be outside. outside the whole time until next podcast yeah where am i gonna sleep though (laughs) i don't know under a porch (laughs) damn